Hey everyone, welcome back to the Enduring Churches podcast. This is Trent Young. I'm here with Alan Small, and we are here to help you to endure. Uh, the things that we talk about on a weekly basis that we uh, try to put out are hopefully to help you to last in the ministry that God has called you to, but not only last, we really want you to enjoy the ministry that God has called you to as well. So, so Alan, what are we going to be doing? What are we going to be talking about today? Well, Trent, we're going to have a fun exercise today because uh, pastors, this is one we definitely want to you to pass on um, to other leaders in your church, or maybe you know a church, um, know a church that has had a history of changing pastors every two or three years. And we we want to talk today mostly to our churches about how you can increase your pastor's tenure um, in your church. You know, um, the first church that I pastored, Trent, uh, they had kind of had a history of short tenured pastors. And um, the pastor who's now been there has been there a long, long time. Um, and he's he is by far their longest tenured pa- pastor in their history. So that's exciting. And I'm, I'm glad to see that. And, you know, that question is, how, how do we how do we hold on to a pastor? I think this is a great question, Alan, for us to delve into, because um, I know that you and I, uh, we've done our best to change, I guess, the the way things have been in the churches that we've pastored. Um, I know that you've been one of the longest tenured pastor in, in churches that you've pastored. I've the same for me. Now we're in this different role as um, network pastors, directors of missions, um, AMS, uh, associational mission strategist. And um, the guy that I'm following was here for 21 years. So man, talk about setting the bar high. I don't know. <laughs> it's a long time. Uh, but anyway, we, we want, instead of just aiming at talking to the pastors today about this, I'm glad you said, we really want you to pass this on to the churches because from a church standpoint, especially a church leader standpoint, maybe deacons, um, you know, your your folks that have been a part of that church for a long time, we want to give you some tips to help you to keep a pastor for a long time, not just talking to the pastor. So I think this is a great topic. I'm excited to talk about it, man. Yeah, you know, with pastor tenure still being short and, and the, the fact that many people are choosing to leave ministry, it's really important that we find ways to help our pastors stick um, where they're at. And so how do how do we do that? I think there's a, a lot of questions. Now, we've got six of them. I'm sure this is not an exhaustive list, but these were the six that we we wanted to talk about today because they're, they're all important and they all kind of take us in a little bit of a different um, direction. The last two might be a little uh, put together um, but the first question, honestly, has to do with something very practical. If you're going to call a pastor, you're going to pay them enough um, to live in your community and and thrive in your community. I mean, that is an important question. You know, you can't if you even in a rural place, are you going to pay them enough to live there? Yeah, Alan, I'm, this is a very good question uh, to ask yourselves. And, and this I guess when I read this question, I I guess I want to encourage people to not just be limited um, in your pay package, because I I recognize that like in my association that I deal with, I've got, 
I've only got five guys that are full time. The rest are bivocational. So when you say that, can you pay a pastor enough to keep him? You may have to think outside the box a bit. Uh, it may not just be, okay, this is what his salary is, but can you do some other things? Um, some churches provide housing, um, but maybe there's something else that, you're, that your folks can do to be a blessing. I know, um, Alan, when we were pastoring in Colorado, we had a couple of families that blessed us with beef every year. And wow, what an amazing blessing that was. Um, it wasn't necessarily in our pay package, but it was such a blessing to have beef, fresh beef from them. Yeah, and I think that's that's part of it, Trent, too, though. If, if you're going to be in a situation and you know that your church can't afford a full-time pastor, um, can you make the time available for that pastor to find another way to make some other money? You know, whether that's driving a school bus or, you know, you know or teaching or whatever it is that they've got to do to, to make enough money to live, are you going to give them the freedom to do that and to care for you and recognize that you're going to have to do some of the pastoral care of one another on your own, that you're asking him to, to add, add ministry value in your life by helping guide you and lead you, but you're, you are going to be the hands and feet um, with your pastor in that ministry. And so, you know, it, it doesn't mean that every church has to have a full-time pastor but are, are you going to pay him such that he doesn't that he doesn't feel like he's got to move um, because there's just not food on their table? And, you know, it's frustrating. I know when ministers get together and talk about pay, a lot of churches don't recognize that, you know, you can put together a package. But by the time you pay for insurance, by the time you take out your responsibility of taxation, because you're paying a full amount of Social Security taxes, um, there's not oftentimes a lot left. And so make sure that you work with your denominational structure um, to make sure you understand the dynamics of pay and what that should look like and how you can make that look. And uh, it'll be a tremendous it'll be a tremendous help to you um, in calling a pastor. But I, I really think that, you know, it's sad when a pastor has to leave a, a fruitful ministry because there's just not not enough money. You know, the whole idea about, oh, he's just a poor preacher, um, you know, you don't want to lose your pastor for that reason. Right. Well, and Alan, I've, I've seen some people that it seems like their calling, their quote calling in life is to keep their pastor poor and humble. And uh, it, I don't think that's your calling. I don't think that's your responsibility. I think that's God's job and he does it, does it fine without your help. Uh, and so, um, you know, and Alan mentioned something I think is, really important too is not only sharing the, the responsibility of, of pastoring and doing the pastoral ministry of each other, but um, one of the churches that I have just recently um, gotten to know, they brought in a new pastor recently, but they did a good job of helping that pastor find, because they were a bivocational church, they did a good job of helping that pastor find a good job. Um, so it wasn't just up to him to go find that other job. They they went out searching as well, and also for his wife. And so they were a team. They were a team working together to make that happen. And so I think that's an important way, too. It's amazing, too, when you get that sense of teamwork, how much more comfortable that makes everyone about the, about the whole arrangement. And, and it, it builds something we're going to talk about, which is, which is trust. 
Well, let's talk about the second question, Trent, is can the power paradigm shift? If you're going to hold on uh, to a pastor for the for a long haul, um, the power the power paradigm, the more time that pastor spends there, the more he's going to become entrenched as the leader of, of the church. And can the church uh, paradigm deal with that that shift in focus that way? That's that's really good. That's a, a, and just think about all that that entails. Um, I know I was uh, recently consulting with a church, and and their pastor had you know they he's been there for about a year, um, but there's some people in the church that weren't willing to let go of some of their power, um, and so in order to keep a pastor, I think that you have to be willing to to give him to grant some of that power to him, especially to begin with. Maybe not all of it. I, I, I totally get that we as pastors, we have to earn that, right? We have to earn that trust and that power. But can, that, can you let go and let some of that power shift over to him so that he can be the leader that you're expecting him to be? Hey, you know, Trent, I had I had someone come to me, and in all seriousness, and not with a mean spirit, there wasn't an argument going on or anything. But they they said, "Well, as I understand my role in the church, it's to question you and to keep you in line." And um, okay. you know, I really, I'm like, I wonder where that comes from because there's nowhere there's nowhere in the Bible apart from where it says, "Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ." Um, mm-hmm. That that we get anything like that, and, and I will say this: no power should have unque- no pastor should have unquestioned absolute power. That's not mm-hmm. what we're talking about. But if a church is going to move forward, there has to be that person out there yelling charge. There's got to be someone leading that. And in churches with very short tenures for the pastor, it's usually a lay leader who carries who carries that flag um, because the pastor's not been there long enough to earn the right to carry that flag. So what has to happen in, in those in those situations is is that someone else has to be able to uh, to to hand that flag off and say that's your it's your it's your call you're leading the charge and we're gonna we're gonna follow you when you when you lead that charge and you know that's the power paradigm shift and you know the truth is it doesn't matter small church large church that 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 shift ultimately has to take place and certainly if we plan for it prepare for it that's when it's done in a most healthy manner yeah well and alan the the person that you mentioned uh, you know nowhere in scripture do i see the spiritual gift of heckling you know and so (laughs) i just i don't think that's exactly what god had in mind right well i guess i'm not going to come hear you preach now tomorrow man (laughs) all right exactly (laughs) Yeah, so let's talk about the third one then. Um, and I think this is really, gosh, I hope that pastors, before they go into a church, they will ask enough questions to find this out. But are there unaddressed trust issues? Um, this is a really good a good question to ask yourself. So, Alan, when you, when you hear that, what kind of comes to your mind? Well, you know, there's a lot of churches that have been burned by bad leaders, by, by pastors who did not do things right who morally failed um they may have financially failed um you know i was talking to someone recently who had embezzled from the church uh, about a church that had dealt with a pastor who had embezzled from them you know so 
it's understandable in, in some churches that they, they just don't trust, you know, the, the, the people who come in and say, oh, well, I'm coming here and I'm going to be here a good long time. And, and two years later, oh, you're not big enough. I'm going to the next bigger place. And people have have trust issues after a while when they when they get burned. And so so it's understandable that you're afraid to trust. But at the same time, if you're going to keep a pastor a long time, you have to develop trust for that pastor. Yeah, and Alan, you don't have to necessarily do something immoral or um, untoward. Um, but even just as you said, if someone, if a church is used to having a pastor every year and a half, two years, three years that moves on, that automatically builds in a lack of trust. Um, people will hold back their um their emotions, their willingness to really get to love. I had a, I had a lady in my church in Oklahoma that um, the, I remember her saying this to Dana and I the first six months. She said, well, I just don't know if I can love another pastor because I've, I've given my heart to pastors before and then they leave. And uh, luckily we stayed there for 13 years and she, <laughs> we loved on her and she loved on us just right back. So but it doesn't always have to be something immoral, but there, you have to be willing to ask yourself, okay, if I'm coming into this church and, and everybody before me has been there for a year and a half, two years, you should expect that you're going to have to deal with that. And it's going to take a while to earn that trust. It's not going to be just automatically given. Yeah. And that's on both sides. And as a church, you have to recognize that, that when that pastor hits two years and you're starting to look around for, some some search team that's sitting in your worship service um and and they're not showing up each week uh you know do you trust do you trust the pastor too and so you have to be able to ask that that question you know and build relationships with one another that's just so so um important trent there's a fourth question and i think this one i think it gets more important all the time but does the pastor fit your context does the pastor fit your context um the ability for a pastor to like, and, and that really, I should say, does the pastor and his family fit your context? Because it could be that one fits the context and one doesn't. So, you know, uh, remember that question. But what do you think about the, the role of context? Well, uh, this is really interesting. I'm glad that you put this in our notes today. And I think it is more than just the pastor. I think it's the pastor and, and family, too. Uh because I heard of a story of a pastor and his wife that came to interview for a church position and the pastor's wife never got out of the car. Um, she said, there's, there's no Walmart for a couple of hours. I'm not living here, you know? <laughs> and so, um, you, you got to, you got to ask yourself some questions as a church when you're in the search process. And that's, boy, this is why Alan and I want to come alongside churches and, and take you through a process to ask these questions. Who are you as a church and what are the needs you have from a pastor? Because not every, if you're just going to hire someone with a pulse, then you've missed out. You're going to blow it. Yeah, and, and I get it. You know, it's hard. It is hard to um, to sometimes find someone in the right context, but I want to encourage you out there, and this especially is for our smaller churches who feel like, well, who'd want to come pastor some rural church somewhere? 
I can't tell you how many people I have met who came, who's got, who've since God's call to ministry out of a church that was running 30 or 40 people. And their desire and their whole knowledge base is a church of 30 to 40 people. And they are there. They, there are people who want to come alongside and, and serve that church. And I think that there is a pastor for every church out there. I believe God is calling people and equipping people um, to do that. But I think it really is important to find someone who can thrive in your context. Now, that doesn't mean that a city guy can't fall in love with the country and a, and a, a country boy can't fall in love with the rock and roll of the city. But, but you know, find out if they're going to be comfortable in, with, within within that context you know rochelle and i probably wouldn't be comfortable if if we were two hours removed from the neck from the from a, some type of city life and we we are blessed that we have um we have about five walmarts within with that are all within an hour drive of us uh, you know so <laughs> so you know we, we have a lot of options around here no no super large cities but a lot of cities and we we enjoy traveling into towns and and going to the different restaurants and seeing what those things have to offer. It fits our context uh, re really well. When we were looking at this position, the size of the churches within this context really fit who we are really well. And I think that's important. So ask yourself some things about, about context. Trent, this, this is, are you making it hard for your pastor to leave? Trent, I, you've had, you've experienced this. You, you, you know what that's like when people love you and care for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and I, I really want you to explain this because you're the one that put this in our notes. And I, I love this question, but I, I want to take it from the positive And maybe there's something else in there that you're thinking. But, but yeah, when people love on you well, it is hard to leave. Um, you know, and that's, I, I hope that people will take it as their responsibility to love on their pastor because he is loving on you with all of the, with everything he has. And so is there, what do you think? Alan? Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly what I was talking about. You know, it was, it was not easy leaving Colorado to take this new role. Um, I had a church that, that I believe appreciated me and, and loved me and care for cared, um, for my family and I, um, there were genuine tears uh, on both sides when when uh, we answered God's call and we moved away. Um, but if you're going to hold on to a pastor, you you, you don't want them to th to be thinking, "Man, I can't wait to get out of here." You know, you you really do want them thinking, "Man, this is this is hard harder than I thought." And you know, I think I think those are really positive things um, in our life. In our first church. We had a family that would just take us out to eat. They'd take us for pizza with them on Sundays all the time, it seemed. Um, and they would do things for my wife um, that made her feel special. And, man, it, 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 that was hard to leave. It was just really hard to leave. And I, I, I was like, man, maybe, maybe I could stay. But that's what you want. That's what you want in that situation. And I think also, too, you don't want to feel like you're being pushed away from somewhere. If God calls you somewhere else, you want to know that there's a pulling, there's a reason that God is coming you, calling you somewhere else. And it has to be a pretty good pull. I mean, that's what that was in this role. It had to be the right pull, and it was, it was the right pull. Um, there, was, there was nothing pushing me. In fact, um, there's a little bit of insanity to think about being pushed away. So 
I think you're right, Trent. Um, we've been blessed to, to pastor some really good churches and, and some really good people um, along our journeys. That, yes, I, I, absolutely. And it's so important for, for, well, and like Alan said, you want to do such a good job of loving on your pastor that he really questions, and, and he should. Every church should, every pastor should really question, is this really God calling or is this just me wanting to get away? And so if you do such a good job of loving on your pastor that he's really got to pray through it, then you are doing the right thing. Um, and uh, boy, we want to encourage pastors to pray through any move because that affects a lot of people too. So, um, you know, Alan and I, we've been so blessed. And, and so we want to encourage you to bless your pastor as well. And so, um, Alan, this last one, I think this is a really good question. Are you taking a stand against harmful voices in the church? Yeah, so and, I want to make uh, I want to make a confession here, Trent. Okay, you know, okay. It, usually we record early in the week, and uh, we just had one of those weeks. So here we are. This is a Saturday night special from Alan and Trent. <laughs> we've actually had the note. We've actually had this note for a while, and we've been kind of sitting on it to record it. Um, and we had five five questions, and I, I was just looking at this note today, and. I wrote in a sixth, so, th so thanks for letting me put in a, and, and catching you off guard with, with a sixth one here. Um, but I was just having some conversations with people, and, and this really just came to my mind. And that's this, are you taking a stand against harmful voices in the church? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I'm going to talk from the heart of a pastor to, to congregational leaders for a second. Trent, I know you can do the same here. If you've ever pastored a church, you know the pain of dealing with someone who's always on your back, someone who questions everything you do, and is always a sour voice in the church. And every pastor's dealt with that. It's not much fun to deal with that. But I don't think that God will ever bless a church until the laity of the church says, that's enough, and we're not going to take that anymore. And when a church moves together to say, you're not going to talk that way to our leadership. You're not going to talk that way to us or to anyone else in the church. We're not going to, we're not going to excuse your bad behavior. Um, I think that begins to open the door of blessing. And I will tell you, that is a pastor who's going to go to bed that night praising God for people who care enough to step in and say enough's enough. Uh, absolutely, Alan. I agree. And you know, it's not just about protecting your pastor in those instances. Honestly, this is God's bride. And um, I was talking to a pastor on the other side of Missouri the, the other day, and he was telling me a story exactly about this. So, Alan, I'm really glad you put this in there. Uh, but he, when he first came uh, to his church, he was asked to aim the church in a certain direction. And so he began aiming the church in that direction and was okay with that until this um, person in the church really jumped him for doing that and, and started making it very hard for him. And finally, he in the middle of a service one time, this guy stood up and said, that's not right. We're not going to do this. And, and he really lost all credibility at that point. That guy not the pastor, but the guy who stood up and was being a jerk. And, 
And so the, the church really stood up against him at that point and said, no, this is enough. We're not going to put up with this. And, and honestly, because you're standing in the way of God's blessing his bride, it wasn't too long after that 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 guy passed away. And so um, I, I think you need to take this stuff really seriously. If you're going to hurt God's bride, Jesus' bride, God's going to take you out. You better be careful. Yeah, and I just think, man, there, there's nothing as a pastor that you could want than, than people to, 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 to have your back and, mm -hmm. and to know that people care about the unity. And the Bible tells us to protect the unity of the body. And when we collectively uh, do not make arrangements for that, and we only expect the pastor to be the one to protect the unity, we're going to have a church fraught with problems, and the door is always going to be open. But I will tell you this too, a church, a church that where everyone knows that no one's going to put up with that stuff, um, you know, it, it's the div divisive spirits aren't going to come and, and hang out there very long. They're going to come and, and they're going to leave because they, they don't see a path of destruction that, that they're used to seeing. And, and I think that's a great thing that you can become as a church. And so, you know, make sure you take a stand against harmful voices in the church and I meant by that anyone who's just a disruptive mean antagonistic spirit if as the church body if you'll take care of it you, you'll find that your pastor wants to stay there a lot longer so right anyway. I think that's so good Alan yeah so the, just to recap here are the the questions that we asked that you should ask yourself can first of all can you pay a pastor enough to keep him there I think that's a, a question that every church needs to ask, and that can mean a lot of things, even as a bivocational pastor. Um, can the power, power paradigm shift? Um, are you willing to let the pastor have some of that power? Are there unaddressed trust, trust issues? Man, I'm having trouble speaking, Alan. <laughs> um, does the pastor fit your context? Are you making it hard for your pastor to leave? And are you taking a stand against harmful voices in the church? So that's a good list, Alan. Yeah, good questions that you can ask. And I'm sure we missed something. So if you've got something, please don't hesitate um, to reach out to us. Um, you can catch us on our Facebook page at Enduring Churches. You can catch us at EnduringChurches.com. You can email us, Alan, A-L-A-N, at EnduringChurches.consulting or Trent at EnduringChurches.consulting. And, uh, you know... Trent and I, we love helping churches. You, uh, you mean so much. You mean so much to us. You mean so much to God's kingdom. Keep up the good works. Keep enduring. And that's why we're here. We want to help you and your church endure. So we look forward to getting back with you soon. Be sure to share this episode everywhere you can. And let others know about the Enduring Churches podcast. And have a great, wonderful week.